Hello fellow sim racers and welcome to the third episode of Talking Sims. Today I'm joined by Jimmy Broadbent, who you all know well enough that I don't really need to do an introductory spiel, which is nice. We're going to be talking about preparation for big endurance races, Jimmy's experiences driving a couple of very cool racing cars, and hopefully giving a bit of an insight into life as a full-time YouTube content creator. Before we jump into the interview, just a quick note to let you guys know that I've given into peer pressure and started uploading this show as an audio-only podcast, which should be available from all of the usual places in the next couple of days. Hey Jimmy man, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me here today. No, no worries, Chris. Good to be here. Currently enjoying my morning brew so I can actually wake up a bit and talk to you. But uh, yeah, hopefully that works. It is It is very, very early. So uh, yeah, I guess before we get into the big topics, I want to talk about Skyline. I opened up questions to the Discord and loads of people wanted to know more about the R32. But I want to get my question out of the way first. I guess if you're of a certain age, this is a pretty legendary car. Um, maybe you could talk about a little bit about your first few weeks of ownership and whether, I guess, expectations sort of met reality. Um, I mean, I guess they do. It's, it's kind of hard to say. That The thing is that a lot of people go, oh, Skyline, you should make that into a drag car or a track <laughs> car, stuff like that. And I'm, I'm keeping it just a road car. And um, the thing that I kind of forgot about it is that it's a car from the 90s. So you go and start driving it, for example. You go out driving the road and you put your foot down and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, there it is. And like, <laughs> kind of, it finally weighs up. Um, so driving on the road is actually, uh, it's not bad, but it's different from what I'm used to. I used to drive a 350Z, which you know, naturally aspirates and does all the things very easily compared to that. Other than that, you wouldn't really know it's a 30-year-old car when you drive it. It's really smooth and the, the, the high gas is a bit weird getting used to at the start, but once you do, it's fine. Um, other than that, it drinks. <laughs> it drinks a lot. It drinks more than I do, which is impressive. Um, so I think it's something about somewhere below 20 miles per gallon uh, in driving around, around, around the town or whatever. And you might get 25 on the motorway. Um, but yeah, it, it's great apart from the fact it has the sport suspension on. That's not so nice for the uh, for the roads. <laughs> is, it, is it what you expected it to be, though? I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it kind of... It's a lot more. Like I don't. I, I said like in the video that I put out about it. I don't really see myself as like an owner of it, more as a keeper or a guardian of it. And that is very much echoed in how people react to it. I mean, for example, I was driving around the other day, and some man in the van is like flashing me from behind. I'm like, oh Christ, is something falling off? Because that happens a lot to my cars. <laughs> uh, and um, so I pulled into like the nearest lay-by. He followed me, and I thought, oh wait a minute, this is this is dodgy. And he gets out and goes, oh, mate, I've got one of these. I haven't seen one driving around for ages. And he proceeds to show me all the pictures of his car and his phone. And, like, that kind of stuff doesn't happen in other cars. So it's it re- it's a magnet for enthusiasts. Are you going to join the R32 Owners Club, assuming there is one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Carry a little badge around with me. Like, oh, I want an R32 Owners Club. No, I'm not sure I want to do that. But... Um... There's, I think there's, there's, an age, there's an age cut off on that, isn't there? Um, I was looking at. Has MX5 owned a club? Uh, yeah, don't. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's very much like the 40, 50 year old men who are like, oh, yes, my car's got no miles in it. It's like, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I did about two minutes of Googling when I bought mine, and that's about as far as uh, as far as I got with that. I was looking at I was looking to buy an old uh, Jaguar XJs as well, uh, mm. and lots of owners club links came up, and I thought, yeah, actually, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not quite at the uh, yeah. the old Jag level of uh, 
of car enthusiasm. <laughs> Lots of people have that uh, advanced driver's badge in oh, front of their yeah. car. And they yeah. go, mm, yes, I've done another test and paid money. So this is going to help my insurance? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, one of the big questions that did come up, and I think you've already touched on it, is are you going to do anything to the R32 or are you just going to keep it like it is? I mean, obviously. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to... Um, it's already had some light modification, and I want to try and keep it looking like it's still got light modification. I don't want it to be some sort of Fast and Furious clone. Everyone seems obsessed with doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably do the kind of typical single turbo conversion at some point and um, aim for around 500 or so wheel horsepower, and then keep that as like that. That is it. That's another road car, and then I'll keep all the crazy stuff for the Mazda, which feels weird to say, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, 500 wheel horsepower is still reasonably crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty quick. I mean, and, and this thing is quick as well, yeah. but the thing is, you get in it and you go, oh, man, I wish I had a bit more boost, because mm. you, you, you kind of, you feel it build, and it kind of stops at the 0. 0.8, 0. 0.7 range, because you can't really go much higher than that. Um, and you think, oh, I wish I had another, another bar. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, getting into the sort of Group C territory there, that'd be, that'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about, in the video, you talked about the car as being an, a bit of an investment. Can you see yourself mm. becoming a, a sort of a car collector long term? I mean, I guess you are sort oh. of already to an extent. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Or, um, I don't know. I don't like the kind of the idea of being a car collector because you, you kind of end up um, getting into weird territory where like you don't really drive the cars you mm. kind of just fall over them instead i mean i'm already at the point where like the dtr under a cover when i don't use it and i'm and, and for me like i am notoriously disorganized and messy so like to do that every time i go out <laughs> and take it off but it's, it actually hurts me a bit to do it do you um, not need to keep the uh, mx5 under a cover i mean mine's pretty leaky i assume yours isn't great uh, i mean i've okay i gave up with that a long time ago you know there's you know the, you know the floor bungs down yeah, the uh, yeah. the bottom i've just taken those out and like <laughs> if what will be what will be it will go through and come out the bottom again you know like <laughs> Um, I don't know how but, any of them have survived in Britain, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I can say I can say to you that I paid for the Mazda seven hundred quid a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I've probably spent three times that on rust, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got that to look. I've got all that to look forward to. Um, you bought the uh, the R thirty two from Jan Marnborough, who's probably mm. the most appropriate person in the world to buy a <laughs> Nissan that was really prominent in Grand yeah, Turismo yeah. from. Uh, and I guess that makes a really good segue into talking about the crossover from sim racing to real racing cars. Uh, I, just, I, I guess for viewers that don't know about Jan Marnbra, he uh, got his break in, in real world racing through the uh, GT Academy for Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. went on to race in Blancpain, LMP2, Super GT, and of course uh, had that stint in the uh, ill-fated GTR LM Nismo prototype at Le Mans, uh, which you know all about, Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, where is it? Uh, there it is. <laughs> just, out, <laughs> just, just, just about out of frame there, sadly, <laughs> on, on the crop. But uh, the viewers will have to believe you there. But yeah, okay, so let's let's move on and talk about, uh, you've done a couple of stints in real-world racing cars recently, which mm. I know everyone wants to talk about. So let's talk about the McLaren GT4 drive that you did at Dunsfold. First of mm-hmm. all, uh, maybe you can tell us how that came about. Um, it was quite random, really. I've been I've been very lucky recently to have a few opportunities come my on my way. You kind of just get an email, and like, oh, okay, Jimmy, do you want to do X? Do you want to do Y? And you sit there reading the email, saying, is this a real email? You have me on there. Um, but essentially, it was kind of as part of 
I guess, a an advert for their McLaren Shadow competition. It wasn't really an advert. Like, I wasn't being paid to do it or anything like that. But I guess that's kind of how it came across, trying to build awareness of what was going on. And they're like, well, you can drive a 570 for a bit if you want. So, you know, I'm there like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll do that, yeah. Um, and, and at that point, I've never set foot in a racing car before. So it was quite quite nerve-wracking. I was driving up there. I'm thinking, what, what if I crash? What if I crash? What if I crash? What if I crash? And, of course, like, forgetting that I'm on the Top Gear test track where it's pretty impossible to crash unless you really make an effort to go and have an accident. And I don't really know how to describe what it the feeling of driving it it was all these these goals have come together and all these kind of like i guess desires from moving to sim racing to real racing and then finally here i was actually driving this gt4 car and it's everything i expected to be and more you know the the thing that they never tell you about is the brakes mm. like you, you kind of you think oh it's a race car to be really fast it is but it's also really fast to stop and you can hammer the brakes. Uh, unlike sim racing, you have to be quite careful on brakes in a lot of a lot of sims. Um, you can just step on the brakes in these in these cars, and you will stop. It like, tears your face off. It's it's crazy. So I mean, I guess that's probably your first experience of um, racing evolved ABS as well. Uh, yeah. So which is designed to stop the car quickly rather than safely. So well, yeah, both, exactly. Both, both ideally, but um, I mean, I, I thought I was I was doing all right, and the instructor's like, "You're only on like fifty percent brake, you know that." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And then finally, as soon as you start getting to that point, you realise just how much potential there is in the race cars compared to road cars. It sounds silly to say, but like you don't really understand it until you experience it. Well, no, I mean that's that's the point of asking sort of these questions mm. is because well, none of us have really had the chance to do that. You know, I've never driven on a track on slicks, and that's one of the notes I've got here is mm. uh, you know what is that as much of a, a jump as the brakes? Uh, you know, the first experience of slicks. You know, trying to find the uh, grip limit on that. I don't know how much chance you had to do that in that particular mm. uh, experience or not, but well, you, you you have enough like. Um, I remember coming towards uh, whatever T1 is called. I'm not sure if it's got a name, but that kind of long left-hander that comes around um, into it kind of gradually becomes tighter as you go around it. I remember just uh, breaking a straight line and about to turn the car in. I was like, this isn't going to make that. And I actually turned in and turned in too early because the car had, <laughs> had the grip. It was fine. And I was, I, yeah, I missed the apex. I was on the inside of it because like, it turned so well. And it's... I don't really know. You, you always have to wait for the tyres to get warmer. That's something you don't really think about. So after the first couple of laps, you have to kind of drive around at a decent-ish pace, and then you start bringing it up and start going faster and faster. But once you're there, it's almost like you, you understand why there are bucket seats in the car <laughs> after that <laughs> and why you're strapped in, because you can really feel yourself being like pushed against the side of the seat through the cornering forces. And that's definitely the strangest thing to get used to, especially when you're used to driving that 357 road car which has like the worst tires in the world and if you turn at 40 mile an hour you start doing that like. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the fun of it though surely um <laughs> yeah that's why they put the uh the prius tires on the gt86 isn't it so as little grip as possible <laughs> yeah so to, to make it seem faster <laughs> <laughs> well um I guess the other question going the other way is was there anything you sort of learned from the experience that you think is applicable to sim racing oh that's a good one um I think that in in real life racing, in real cars, I'm a lot smoother on the wheel than I am in sims. And I think that we get a lot of kind of canned effects in sims, even through a direct drive wheel. Like some sims will still pump in a canned effect. You can usually turn it off somewhere, but 
um, you kind of find yourself um, you kind of find yourself putting that behind you when you get into a real car the, the, the filter kind of turns off in your head and you start driving smoothly and it becomes a bit different um, but in terms of what I've learned I say just the braking um, a lot of sims don't communicate particularly well but you can especially in high downforce cars in games like RF2 and iRacing even a certain Corsa you can actually hammer the throttle initially but there's nothing to tell you that like the you're slowing down the braking is going to start getting a bit different because if you don't know of course in a high downforce car you hit the you hit the brake as hard as you can and then you peel off as the downforce peels off as you come to the corner um but there's no there's no communication for that in game so you have to kind of figure it out um and that that kind of can be taken over from real life racing not to say the 570 has got a lot of downfall so it's not <laughs> well i mean compared to anything i guess you've really driven before it it's mm. it's it's a world of difference maybe uh maybe we should move on and talk about the audi rs3 tcr uh car you drove, uh, yeah. uh which was uh, a really fun really fun video i guess you got a lot more time in the car so maybe mm. you can start off by telling the viewers sort of a little bit about that and how that came about as well um, so that came about because of a fellow named Lassa Sorensen, who is brother of Marco Sorensen, who is Nikki's teammate in um, WEC, etc. And also a really fantastic driver in his own right. And I kind of met him just through racing. You get, you get, this is, this is going to sound um, odd, but it's kind of become usual for me now over the last year. Is you get a lot of real life drivers message you after watching a stream and go, oh man, I really love what you're doing. Like, <laughs> We're ready to get you into a real car, and usually that doesn't really go anywhere. Usually it's just uh, like a, a nice thing to say. Um, but this one did. Lassa was just um, very, um, very adamant about getting me in the car. Said, "Oh, maybe you can come drive this Audi." And I thought, "Okay, it'll be just some sort of you know road prepped Audi with with grippy tires on." And of course, I got there in Denmark, and now it's this fully fledged, essentially WTCR car. Um, so that, that's kind of how that came about. And uh, I think Lassa said there might be some opportunities to do some more stuff in the future, which, of course, I'm, I'm hanging on to with my <laughs> skin in my teeth. Um, but that's kind of how that happened. So um, yeah, I think I said before, it seemed from the video, at least, that you got a lot more time in the car than you did with the mm. uh, the McLaren opportunity. Uh, does that mean you sort of felt you got more opportunity to explore the limits of the car and the track um, when, when it wasn't broken? Yeah, yeah, when it wasn't broken, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think also the difference in how how it was approached by the people running the event. So Lassa was part of this um, uh, event team called Dream Concept. And they were essentially running the event and letting people go out in the car, etc. And <clears throat> excuse me. And they basically just said that, you know what, Jimmy, you can just go and drive it as much as you want. You know, there wasn't like there wasn't a guy with a laptop sitting over my shoulder. There wasn't like four or five people with cameras around me when I was doing the McLaren thing. It was just a race car at an airfield. And I was like, yeah go drive it if you want you know there was, it was a completely different attitude so and when i went out there you know that's the saying well just go as fast as you can and i'll tell you if you're doing something wrong <laughs> so i thought all right so i did that and um you know he gave me a couple of tips but otherwise you can you're kind of on the level straight away and, and i felt that with the mclaren opportunity i didn't quite i was a bit scared of the mclaren thing so i didn't really drive as fast as i could probably have gone in the hour do you think i was like right now i'm going as fast as i can this time and um, it was a lot more enjoyable, I think. Yeah. So um, people often talk about front wheel drive racing cars being less fun to drive. But I often think that's sort of a sim racer excuse for them over driving them. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on that, having driven the, the GT4 and the TCR? I had more fun driving the Audi than I did driving the McLaren. Definitely. Like um, it is front wheel drive, as you said. 
and there is no traction control, but there is a really clever diff, um, which essentially acts as traction control. So you can really wail on it in the lower gears and, you know, really, really uh, go quick with it. The only thing you've got to be careful of, and this is something that uh, Lassa had to do before uh, we went out, is is the rear tyres. If they're not warmed up, then you have an issue where you can turn into the corner and the rear tyres go, nah, <laughs> and, you just, and you just slide round, uh, which is not good. So Lassa had to go out and kind of like drive around and get them a bit, a bit warm. And there was actually a moment in the video as well, I'm not sure, because it's something from a longboard camera, so it's hard to see, but there's a moment where I actually that happened to me coming down the bottom, and you just you just plant the throttle and come out of it. Um, but otherwise, the front-wheel drive cars are really, they're really fun to drive. They're, it's a lot more aggressive than the McLaren. The McLaren felt like it was being held back, whereas the Audi felt like it was going going for it, you know, driving it. Is it? Is it sort of tough to? I mean, we all know as sim racers, we all know those tricks like planting the throttle in a front-wheel drive car to to pull you out of situations like that. But is it tough to tell yourself the first time you do that in a in a in a real-world situation? Is it tough to override the sort of preservation instinct there, or or, or are the skills already sort of semi-honed? Um, I'd say that like a lot of stuff is just carried over. I mean, when when I started going around, it was his instinct to hit the throttle. Mm-hmm. There was no like, oh, I should do this to correct it, like I've done in my sim racing training. Like, no, it, 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 <laughs> too late. You just yeah. hit it. Yeah, and that was fine. And um, it's the same thing. Whenever you have any little moment, you just correct it. You, there's no thought behind it. So, um, I really do think that all the sim racing that I've done, and whilst I'm definitely not the best driver in the world and in, in, in anything, you know, I, I like to think that I'm slightly above average, maybe. But I, you know, it definitely prepares you, hundred percent cool man um you made a video in race room i think like the following day after that video was released mm-hmm. uh maybe you can talk about you know without getting into the nitty-gritty and comparing sims and stuff but uh where the experience is right and perhaps where it diverges from the real world experience mm-hmm. um i think the thing that a lot of sims miss and unfortunately there's there's not really much you can do about this it's just the rawness of what it is to drive a racing car um, everything is incredibly visceral, including how it feels as well. And the, the big thing people say is, oh, it's force feedback realistic, yada, 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 and you can apply this across every sim. I said, no, it's not realistic in any sim because the force feedback effects you are being given are essentially trying to make up for the fact you have no G-force. So they're, they're just there to try and, well, give you the best best feedback possible without actually giving you that, that G-force you're kind of lacking. Um, but otherwise, you know, it, it was fairly close. Um, how, how the car kind of moves around in the, in the fast stuff, how it kind of has an awkward shuffle in the low-speed corners, especially if it's set up to kind of tripod. All, all those cars are set up um, to essentially have the rear just be attached to the car. The front end does everything, you know. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the handling is kind of is quite, is quite close and the way the cars react to it is quite close. It's just for me as someone who always tries to find the most immersion possible, you know, I love, I love VR and I love um, just blasting my, my ears with, with engine noise. Um, it's always just trying to go that extra step to have it be that little bit more, I don't know, a little more believable. So uh, there's uh, no possibility for a full motion rig in the shed then? <laughs> people, have, people have mentioned that a lot recently. I don't, I don't sure, I'm not really sure why, but um, I, you know what? I've tried motion rigs. I'm not sure about you, Chris, but I got to go uh, to a couple of two, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to a couple of events, and I've always found them to be lacking. They're either lacking or they're delayed a little bit, and that's even yeah. worse. That makes you feel like yeah, that that was uh, my experience. Was it just it felt laggy? It was like 
bad VR. Um, same sort of same sort of feeling for me. Not that I should be putting anyone off that uh, is really into the motion I mean, side yeah. of things. Go give it a go, but um, it's it's like a, it's like many things. It just needs to grow a bit. I think. Yeah, I mean we're pre- we're a pretty small. Uh, community uh, particularly in the sort of niche end of things you know I, d- I don't know you know you look at the number of people playing r factor 2 uh, on the steam stats every week and you know we're a small community <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know uh, things are going to move slowly although uh, i'm sure you've noticed uh, as i have the amount of commercial entities from outside of sim racing getting involved in what we're doing um, there's a lot of money flowing in at the moment which i hope works out the really well for all of us yeah hopefully rather than torpedoing the whole thing <laughs> everyone loves bubbles right let's get some questions from the discord in because i uh, on my list of questions Bring i big, big bolded bits saying questions from discord and i've blasted past two of them already because i was on a bit of a roll so right uh, oscar hardwick asks uh, can you ask oh, him bro. who his favorite teammate he ever raced with is and make sure he knows i asked <laughs> <laughs> Um, basically, any time I didn't drive with Oscar was a blessing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, to, to, to be nice to Oscar for a second, I'm sure he wants to hear it. You will never meet a more determined and aggressive driver than Oscar Harwick. Um, if, if, if you should we, Oscar, should we ban him from the community races then? Is that, is that uh, you, you should ban him from everything, first of all. <laughs> right, okay. But um, I mean, if, if you say, Oscar, I need you to go and be in third place at the end of the stint, he will be in third place at the end of the stint, <laughs> and there will be cars lying in the wake. <laughs> 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 all right man cool uh gear asks what's your favorite car in sim racing oh man this changes quite often you know as you can probably imagine um i i think like a car that i've loved for a long time has been the 962 in the solo corsa i don't think it's necessarily perfect but like it does a good job of capturing the kind of the brutality of how the car was you have that kind of slide in the lower gears out of, out of slow corners and then once you get on the boost, the car is a completely different animal, you know. And that with the aero and it not quite being planted through the fast corners. I dislike driving cars like F1 cars, which are just completely just like, yep, yeah, easy, easy, easy. I like cars that are a little bit older, a little bit more on the edge. I like that um, Oriel 8 thing, the Audi R8. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great example of it. It's where you you drive it hard into a corner and you can feel it go, oh, I don't know if I'm going to stick. And you're like, please do, please do, you know. Um, <laughs> That, that that kind of stuff is what makes uh makes the cars kind of alive and gives them personality so i love that stuff yeah i, I agree completely about the porsche 962 yeah. that's sort of always my go-to my, probably because it's my favorite car in in the world anyway so um <laughs> it being at least semi-decent in a set of course is enough to sort of seal the deal for me there i really like the um uh, the race room uh one they added with the the big wing yeah yeah well later that was yeah i really like that good fun i think uh they're both pretty similar in the way they drive as well which is nice so at least they're yeah. in the ballpark that, that, that that'll do for me um all right one more from the uh from the discord before we move on yeah adam rainey asks uh, what brought you and jimmy into sim oh that's for me as well uh what brought us yeah. into sim racing well, i'll do me first because it's really easy my dad bought uh micropros grand prix the first jeff Cramman game at like oh, the, wow. peak, the peak of mansell mania when i was like yeah. seven or eight or something and yeah i haven't stopped since so you're, you're, you're a bigger record than me i mean i guess that <laughs> older um, not necessarily bigger <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess that the first thing that got me into racing in general was probably f197 uh, on the ps1 and then from there i was just obsessed with racing games always trying to like find games where i could do more and have more fun in so i made the the switch to grand turismo then gt5 GT, um uh, i think it's gt6 actually i went from gt5 to r factor 
on the PC and never looked back. That's back in 2012. And once you have a wheel and once you can drive an AE86 at Sakuba, <laughs> <laughs> you're there. You're fine. I was well into that. Okay, one more from the Discord because it's uh, it's a cheeky one. Uh, why do you drive the tractor in iRacing rather than the Porsche? <laughs> um, you know what? We got this question a lot, especially when, when I was being a little bit vocal on the BOP for a while. I kind of gave up because people would dislike you after a while for expressing an opinion. <laughs> I tend to stop expressing it. Um, basically, because mainly it's one of Bailey's favorite cars. Uh, Bailey's my teammate, and he loves the Audi R18. And at the time, it was a bit of an underdog. And we always like driving an underdog. And it's more kind of rewarding when you find something that works over these cars that are maybe a bit easier, a bit more approachable for people to go quick in. And we think outside the box, and then we manage to go faster. That's always super rewarding. And again, like... Bailey and I aren't aliens. Bailey and uh, Bailey, Bailey, nearly. Bailey is uh, closer to that than I am. Um, so when you can fight with the guys who are considered aliens in your in your in your little tractor, it's uh, it's very rewarding, you know. So that's kind of why we stuck with it. I think that's uh, that's a good segue to what we're about to talk about next. I want to mm. sort of move on and talk about competitive sim racing and I guess big events in particular. Last month, you guys won the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, yeah. in the third split, which is a massive, massive achievement. Uh, first of all, congrats. <laughs> I can't say more than that. I think everyone in the community sort of shared in a little bit of that joy uh, when you crossed the line winning that. Um, but what people don't see is the preparation that goes into an event like that. So maybe you can talk us through some of the build up to that event and what went on the behind the scenes to make that win possible. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, we can't, I can't really understate the amount of effort that Bailey put into it. Bailey is hundred, he's our Mr. Le Mans. Like, he loves driving there. Like any, uh, any effort or any um, opportunity to drive there in a prototype, he's on it. He was practicing a month before the race even began. <laughs> um, so for so about two weeks before when the rest of us started practicing, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we already had a good kind of baseline to go off. Um, so a lot of it is just practice and feedback because there are four of us driving the car, so we all have to be comfortable. So the setup that Bailey put forward was really quick, um, but we tried to kill you for the Porsche curve. The rear end was very, very scary. So we have to say, well, no, we appreciate it's just quick and you want to go fast, but we've got to dial it back a little bit um, so we can actually survive the race, you know. Um, so it becomes like a bit of a, um, a bit of a give and take between each teammate to try and get to a point where we're all happy. I know Nate wasn't actually happy with the setup until the day before the race, so we were, we were still tweaking it then. Um, there's that, and there's optimizations, trying to find extra bits of top speed. I mean, we spent a long time trying to get the car to squat down in a straight line, so we could actually get up to the higher top speeds. Um, I think. Uh, compared to setup last year, we'd we'd found about eight or nine k's in a straight wow. line just from engine setup, um, which is a lot there. Uh, and also, again, you can't understate the amount of or overstate sorry the amount of practice you have to put in. Like you know, I, I try and practice on stream sometimes to show that you don't just jump into the car and be quick. But I think for every hour we did on stream, there's like four hours off stream of practice. You know, you're really trying to hammer in a rhythm in your head so when you jump in the car you can just get into the rhythm straight away and not worry about getting up to speed yeah yeah, yeah, there's obviously a a lot that goes into that uh i'm going to do a couple more questions from discord because some of them are sort of related actually um first one from adam rainey is will you ever return to the r factor 2 vec um timely question i think isn't it (laughs) yeah it is yeah i was gonna say chris i think you've seen the news as well as i have um sadly yeah i yeah now the thing is 
is that people get very defensive of their sims and if, if you have a sim you like and something goes wrong with it it's very hard to kind of see that objectively and i've always tried to be that uh try to and much to the dismay of people who watch usually um <laughs> But I used to be an RF2 fanboy, 100%. I used to love it. You know, I drove that GTRLM and that uh, VEC series, and we put up with all the bugs and all the issues because at the time, there wasn't really anything better. So we put up with it. But night racing came along with its driver swaps and day to night cycle and dynamic track, you know, and whilst it's still lacking in some areas compared to RF2, that gap now is so much smaller than it used to be. And there's no reason to drive RF2. With RF2, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's like Linux, you know? You know, you, you, you sit there, and it's like this really complicated thing you have to try and work out and make sure all these little bits are in the right order. Whereas, um, no, iRacing is like a Windows. <laughs> it just kind of works, like, it, 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 most of the time. Um, so you don't... You, you can focus more on the racing and not all, on all the really tedious stuff, like making sure you have the right upload speed, making sure you're doing the driver swap properly i don't have you ever done a driver stop in rf2 i haven't no that's yeah uh, it's it's basically a process for me that you have to do yeah. um there's no just like button to click like an <laughs> iRacing you have to do like four or five things the right way and then even if you do that you get all your things done correctly there's no guarantee your game will run okay you might have an issue of a track which is very very often and of course as we saw in the um the, the big that big event 24 hours there was mass mass disconnects and screen freezes that are still happening four years after they were discovered and that's just not good enough for an endurance platform uh yeah i mean these are these are things that you see in in our fights two online races no matter the format on and off and it's mm. i i think you shared a tweet actually that sort of expressed i can't remember who who said it but expressed the feelings uh, about it really well yeah in in a way it's it's good that it's happened on such a big platform mm. because it has to be acknowledged and dealt with now um anyway it's but let's, let's that you know like it, uh, i think it's a shame that it took that because i, I don't want to end off with like a sour, a sour taste of rf2 i still think it has all this great potential you know there's a really talented group of guys behind it and the content they put out is fantastic and the tire model i mean as you and i both know is one of the most ludicrous things that sim racing's ever seen um but now it just it needs that refinement that they've been putting off for a lot of time that, that needs to be that next year development is now refinement if they want this game to continue i think uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I just want to, because I've been a little bit negative, uh, just there, uh, I just want to uh, echo what Jimmy said about, mm. you know, if I want a, a pure driving experience that I really enjoy, jumping in R-Factor is the first place I go. Um, moving on, uh, Van Krausen asks, what would your dream sim racing league look like in terms of cars, format and tracks? You know, my dream sim racing league is something that I've always wanted to do, but never really had the means or a sim that could do it. Would be like a Group C, <laughs> Group C league, and like and maybe some like GT. I'm not sure what the GTs were called then, but like you know, a multi class essentially. Basically, ILMS in iRacing, but Group C. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love that. Like that'd be yeah. fantastic. S- sign me up. Uh, <laughs> where do we make that happen? Um, yeah, okay. exactly. Moving on, because I will just talk about that all day if we don't. Um, Silent, <laughs> Silent Shock asks, if you had to choose, would you prefer commentating as a job or doing YouTube? Guns That's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love doing commentary because you get to like flex the the nerd muscle that is like the knowledge of, of racing and, and whatnot. And it's really great to get to like imbue a race or try to imbue a race of excitement because that's kind of what gets people interested right as you watch a sim race with no commentary or a race with no commentary like what's going on why why should i care about this 
if you have someone kind of holding your hand and telling you, this is fantastic, you should be excited at this, then that gets you interested, you know, a la Mario Walker. But I, I, I think I would still probably pick YouTube because the best thing about it is you get to interact with so many people, you get to talk to people and, like, learn about their stories. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met so many interesting and awesome people through sim racing. Some of my best friends I've met through racing and YouTube. So I don't think I want to trade that. That makes sense to me, man. Uh, all right, uh, Lava Cake asks, "What's your favorite music?" That's a nice, easy one. Hopefully, <laughs> favorite music. Um, yeah, I like a bit of synthwave. You know, the, the retro stuff. You've probably heard it on the channel if you haven't been by. I, I just love that eighties vibe. Um, that, and I've also been uh, getting back into, I guess, kind of metal music recently. Um, I used to be into that a lot when I was younger. Some people mix the two together, and that's where, like, that's where the erection is. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm into that. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of stuff is always gets me going. Come on, uh, Lava Cake asks if you could dramatically improve just one aspect of your sim racing abilities, what would it be? Um, I don't really know. I, I kind of like being at the level I am, where I'm not the fastest, because you get you tend to have races where they're a bit more unpredictable. Because when you have the sim races with people who are just amazing, it just tends to be a procession. Yeah, I would like the ability to get less angry <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when, when things go wrong or where people do something incorrect because sometimes you get really wrapped up in the competitive a- aspect of it and then someone dives you from a year back and damages your car and you're like that person is the worst person in the world for these next five minutes and then it passes and you're like oh man that was silly to get mad about that but yeah, I, I guess that's I, part of the competitiveness I'd like a sort of sixth sense to know when I'm going to be dive bombed by a car and uh, lapping in a, fast, <laughs> uh, in a faster class you know uh, I mean <laughs> that'd be good. I mean yeah uh, basically if you see me in your mirror and I'm on the inside of the track then expect it <laughs> oh, no, that, see that's telegraphing it that's fine it's when they're just you know you're at Le Mans or somewhere and you're going down to one of the chicanes on Malsan and they're 100 meters back <laughs> and they just yeah, yeah. pull out from nowhere that's uh well, that's, that, that's, a, that's a great tip there you go if you're if you're a, if you're a faster class driver don't do what i'm doing and <laughs> um telegraph the move you're coming up to a guy behind you pull over to the right hand side of the track let him see you and then dive him it is yeah. <laughs> uh right where are we oh okay this is a good one uh van krausen again asks where the hell did the phrase please no punterino come from um it was just a very weird, random thing. I have um, a friend I raced with, a fellow named, we nicknamed him Coin. And um, this is back when I had about maybe less than 10,000 subscribers. And we did a set of course, uh, like tourist days at the Nürburgring. And uh, we were all driving together. And I, I, I maybe had a couple of contacts with people trying to get good laps in. <laughs> and, then my, and then my friend joined. And his, his name was Please No Pantorino Dinner as his, as his join name at the top. So I thought that was hilarious. And it just kind of stuck. Like it's it's so kind of strange. It was so random. So Taking on a all life credit of its goes own to Coin. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And now um, everyone asked me, "Do you mean?" Uh, I had like an Italian friend uh, at the Grand Turismo event. Like, do you mean what is Pandorino? <laughs> I'm like, I'm to him. Like, no, it's just a silly, made-up nonsense word. But I think one of my favourite. Um, uh, Jimmy moments has to be when uh, you went up to Nicky team. Uh, I guess it was Silverstone a couple of years ago. And yeah, I asked, yeah, asked yeah. him to say that on camera. And he's like, oh, I'm not saying that. I don't know what that is. I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, but someone tried to get um, Hindy to say it. Um, yeah. I think it was yeah, one of the Bathurst races. And you're just like, nah, I'm not saying that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I bumped into him at Le Mans and uh, wasn't going to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, we've got three more of these. I think we're into the dregs of the questions, so the quality has dropped off a little bit. But uh, we'll nice. power through them just so I can say I've asked asked all of them. Um, so Leon Sidfeld, the guy who uh, made the Sveg mod for a set of course, uh, has asked probably the worst question of the lot and i'm saying that because i'm his friend uh famous formula one drivers are known to have it easy with the women how much of that carries over to famous sim races well i mean as you know whenever i walk the streets i'm inundated with women chris (laughs) you know i I can't i can't get across i can honestly say that um there's there's nothing absolutely zero (laughs) as you can imagine i I don't go outside what are you talking about um that's the youtuber thing youtubers don't leave the building ever there's not time for there's not time for outside time Every time that someone has um, maybe recognised me at like an expo or something or an event, it's always been a man, um, <laughs> which I'm which I'm fine with, you know. But <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing your YouTube analytics breakdown, but whenever I check the the analytics and it says uh, the male versus female ratio, it is one hundred percent. There was one month where, yeah. I had, where there were two women watched. I'm guessing one was my wife, probably by accident. Yeah, yeah. But who was the second one? That's the real question. <laughs> I remember I had 95% once on the video. I was like, oh, my word, we've made it. Like, uh, <laughs> trying to get to that broader audience. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I also, I think if I discuss any more, I'd probably be, like, savagely beaten by Veronica. So I better be careful with what I say. Like. <laughs> cool. Well, let, let's move on. Um, has your popularity in sim I guess you've kind of covered this a little bit, but we'll do it anyway. Fartik asks, has your popularity in sim racing opened any doors into real-world racing, i.e. as a sim driver? Um, I think like there are a couple of things that are maybe coming up that I don't want to talk about just yet because <laughs> I don't really know if they're secure or not. Um, but the short answer is yes. You know, people racing is about sponsorship and about having eyes on your car. So a good way to do that is to get a YouTuber in there, I guess. Um, so I think that maybe I'm being seen that way. I'm hoping that I can maybe back out with some, with some ability. But uh, <laughs> well, it's better to have, better to have a YouTuber than uh, a, a fake energy drink supplier. Oh yeah, you know. Um, yeah, there there is that. I've got, got to watch out for those um, those, those performances. You know, it's unacceptable that you're not as fast <laughs> as Chris. So I think that maybe you should get on that. Oh man, I, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, the uh, the board this morning of uh, yeah, being Rich like, Energy. No, 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 no. No, no, we, we, we didn't authorise him to say that. <laughs> this is the best thing that's happened this Formula One season, which I guess probably says something about what's going on track a little bit. But equally, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. The rich energy are a gift. Everyone loves a bit of drama, you know. <laughs> um, but then you also think, is it some sort of genius marketing campaign? Because no one's talking about rich energy otherwise, so... Mm. Right, final question from the Discord, and I think I have to ask this because pronouncing his name is going to be pretty (laughs) tough. Uh, So a guy called Seta Setanta, I think, uh, said, asked, what got you inspired to start uploading videos, and how have you managed to find regularity in your uploads? Um, What inspired me to do it? I don't really... um, I mean, there are a couple of things, really. I'll try and keep it a short answer because I go for a long time. Um, first of all, there was a YouTuber named Chugger Conroy. He doesn't. He does not do racing content. He does like Nintendo Let's Plays, and I loved how enthusiastic he was. And we talked about the games, how much he enjoyed doing it, and how much he kind of came to life when he was doing it. So I thought, oh, maybe I can do that. And the first couple of videos I tried to record, uh, where I spoke at the same time as driving, I didn't speak. I had nothing interesting to say, so I didn't speak. Um, but then I kind of thought, you know what, if you want to work at it and you want to keep doing it, you've got to keep making these videos and keep trying to 
improve upon it. Don't be disheartened by being bad at first, you know. So I, I said to myself, uh, well, what I'll do, like, you know, I, I didn't have a job at the time and I was suffering a little bit with, um, I'm suffering a lot actually with uh, some mental illness at the time. I thought, well, you know what, let's just keep it regular, give you something to do. You can say you've been productive during the day, then make a video each day on something you fancy driving. It can be random, whatever. And I just did that and kept going and kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And I don't do one every day now because unfortunately my, my brain can't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's how it kind of started and how I continued. Cool, man. I think we're going to sort of segue from sim racing into the YouTube side of things now for like the final part of this. Anyway, so that's a pretty unintentional but but good way of doing that. Um, I guess, I mean, you're rapidly approaching 300,000 subs, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. You're averaging 130,000 daily views this month, which I think would be impressive numbers for like a local TV station, let alone a really niche YouTube channel. So yeah. I get the impression that sim racing is getting bigger and bigger very rapidly at the time. Is that something that, that you're feeling and you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, you, you see the amount of events that are now being mm. put on, you know, F1 esports with the grand Christmas stuff going on as well. And whilst, you know, some elitists might say, Oh, that's not a sim, you know, but <laughs> you're kind of missing the point, I think of what, what these are, what these are doing. Um, I mean, up until then, we had iRacing, who the only people put, putting on events. And they put them on, but not quite the same production as F1 and, you know, GT have been doing. So I think that those kind of things, alongside the Sim Racing Expo getting bigger and bigger, you know, I'm hopefully going to go again uh, this year. Um, I didn't get to go in 2017, but apparently, like, there, were, there was nothing there in 2017. 2018, the whole place was packed, you know. Well, it um, coincides this year with the um, SRO esports thing as well. So, uh, ah, can also okay. be there. I'll be there this year, which would be cool. Um, I didn't oh, get to go long. last year. I, I bought a ticket, paid for a hotel, and then couldn't go in the end. So that was fun. Oh, that's <laughs> really I went with Team Redline, and yeah. um, they uh, they like to drink. Going <laughs> so to avoid e that part of it. Everyone in sim racing likes to drink. I think it's the not getting out of the house the rest of the year part sort of uh, compensation. I have some rather incriminating pictures of Isaac Price on my computer. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on before uh, before we go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> You've published over thirteen hundred videos, which saying out loud just I mean I think I managed one hundred and forty. Oh, so thirteen hundred <laughs> just sounds mental to me, yeah. but. What keeps you motivated to keep pushing out content and live streams day in, day out? Um, I think for making videos, I, I take a lot of inspiration nowadays from real life stuff. Mm. If stuff goes on in real life, I like to try and either recreate it or talk about it in a sim environment and have some fun with it. You know, I really and enjoyed also, the Festival of Speed thing you did the other day, man. Totally. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that's a lot of fun to do, man. So. Yeah, totally interrupting you there, but I just... Uh, you know. No, 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 it's fine. It's a bit, um, bit out of the field and just really worked. So, yeah, I mean, you, when, when you're making that kind of video, you think, "Oh man, I hope this works," because those, those kind of videos yeah. take a lot longer than your kind of average yeah. record and talk. And people don't really realise that I think sometimes. Um, so I was really happy to see that people enjoyed it. Um, but you know, not every video can be that way because there are only so many ideas you can come across, uh, and you can make work and make interesting from like a, a point of view of a viewer. Like some people were saying, "Oh, Jimmy, you should replace your Nord Sniper series with." Goodwood. It's like, that's great, but how do I feel, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes of <laughs> yeah. me doing two or three runs up Goodwood? You know, it, it's it's kind of hard to do. 
but um man i, I struggled to make the the review yeah. of the goodwood mod long enough because it's a, a 40 second long track you know yeah, well, yeah 35 exactly. in a really quick car you know uh but so yeah you have trouble doing it um but that, that's part of the fun i guess part of the challenge is doing that and, and and for the streams i i just i mean a lot of people in the streams and they you know it's a weird way to say it. i see i see the stream chat as kind of like a friend almost you know, i go in there and i talk to them and we i talk about uh things happening in my life if be they good or bad and we have that, that that's also um returned from the chat you know we will we'll discuss things that aren't racing it's, it's almost like going to uh, a bar of your mate but your mate is like three thousand people <laughs> well we've just we, as we've discussed some racers don't leave the building so uh no exactly you're gonna I'm have sitting, to have to do I, it in an online lobby somewhere aren't you i'll sit here with my pint of water instead <laughs> and love that <laughs> man uh youtube is a pretty relentless beast it's always demanding more content how do you manage the burnout i'm asking that one for a friend <laughs> um i've had burnout a couple of times usually when there's like a bad result or something goes wrong, or I make a mistake, and uh, it can it can feel pretty negative for me because uh, YouTube is essentially like a very what's well, a very big part of my life. So if that's going wrong, then you know a big part of my life is going wrong, and I feel sad about it. And usually I say, and it's very hard to take this because, as you know, as you say YouTube is relentless, and if you go away for any extended period of time, your channel suffers. Um, but take the time off. You know, explore other avenues. There was a point where I streamed on Twitch a couple of times, just, just casual games, you know, just games that weren't racing, just so I could sit down and really um, chomp a bit with some people and you've, try and uh, get into the point where I'm struggling. Yeah, you've kind of preempted the next question a little bit there, which yeah. is that uh, a lot of gamers are turning to Twitch for a variety of reasons. But I always get the impression every time I look at it that the audience of, of actual just casual viewers is far, far, far smaller than YouTube. May, uh, is that your experience? I think so. I think Twitch is very specialised, you know. You see like speed, things like speed running on there yeah. and people like playing ridiculous Mario Maker levels, etc. where that's going to attract the nerd, which is like, you know, you or me. That's going to that's attract one of us. But it's not going to attract, you said, the casual viewer. And the whole idea of sim racing and the thing that I think that we've done very well on YouTube is get that person who's thinking, man, I, lo I love playing Need to Speed, I love playing Gran Turismo. I wish the racing was a bit cleaner sometimes. And you go, well, yeah. my son, like, uh, <laughs> come over, come come try this thing. And that, that's not, of course, to ever um, talk bad of games like Forza or Gran Turismo, because I see those games as a stepping stone um, to maybe the, 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 the more serious stuff. Yeah. Um, but you can have those experiences in those games that are just harder to find. In things like iRacing, it's very heavily moderated. So you can have those really fun, serious races, pretty much every race. Yeah, I think you actually, you've made a good point there about about YouTube and, and what it offers to more uh, more casual people. I've been involved in in driving games for for decades, but I took a big gap after R Factor One first came out for for a few years, where mm -hmm. I didn't really play anything. I, I, I picked up a couple of the Formula One titles on, on my PlayStation just for fun, uh, and then a few years ago, when Assetto Corsa dropped on PS4, I picked that up and very quickly realised, okay, yeah, I need to get a wheel again, get a wheel, yeah, yeah. start looking up videos. Uh, and I saw some of your videos 
and sorry. With, with, yeah, I know. And within within minutes, I'm just like, okay, right, new graphics card for the PC. We're doing this properly. I need to download mods, and you know, and and it's that kind of experience. The sort of person that's maybe just playing casually or just a motorsport fan just stumbles across, uh, you know, you driving a Porsche 917K, uh, so 91730 or something around Nordschleife and thinking, mm. well, no one's even going to let me stand near that car in real life, let alone exactly. drive it. Exactly. And, I mean, you're, you're, you're in VR, you're in an F1 car in VR. And the first time I got into VR, like my brain didn't know what to make of it. Cause like, yeah. It's it's not real it's not real life graphics but it's all there you could you feel like you can touch it now, there, there was a point I've got a wall right next to me here and I was like oh man look at that really cool exhaust in the back of the bang and just like <laughs> match my head on the blooming wall um, but that that's that's part of the the joy of sim racing is for us as you know, I'm a die hard racing enthusiast I, I live for the, the smell of petrol the smell of brakes and you know, the noise that just pierces your skull when it goes by. So to get an opportunity to be that close to driving it and have your brain almost believe that it's there is like 100% going to chase that as much as I can. Cool, man. Um, I think that segued really nicely into uh, the final question I have you here, which to try and end on a positive note, which I think we've been on anyway. Uh, What are you excited for in the future, both for your channel and for sim racing in general? Oh, my. Um, I think I don't really have any I don't know, excitement for my channel or goals for the channel and this I don't mean this in a bad way I mean it in a I'd like to just live in the moment of it and enjoy it for what it is like I could sit here and go my goal for next year is to get 500,000 subscribers like it isn't but then what if something goes wrong and I don't get that goal I'm going to be disappointed I want to I want to try and enjoy what it is to be in this environment and to be in this position I'm in a, I'm in a very privileged position like and I, there's not a day that I don't wake up and feel very lucky that I get to do this as a living and I get to share this with everyone as a living. So as long as that can continue, I don't really care what happens to the channel. You know, I'm just happy for that opportunity. Um, but as for sim racing, uh, I'm just excited to see where things like iRacing go, where where, the, where new titles go, where, what happens with AMS2, how that's going to be, you know. Because um, these games are only getting better and better as time goes on. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. I mean, if, if I had said to uh, myself back when I was playing mods of F1 cars in RF1 on bad modded circuits, you know, that you're going to get VR and get to drive and this and feel like you're actually driving it with a direct drive wheel setup and proper pedals and a gear stick, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it's come along very quickly. And I'm hoping that kind of level of progress can continue. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I guess that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me, man. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you for giving such sort of detailed and, and open answers. Well, thank you for having me on, Chris. It's great to, great to chat with you. I hope you, uh, you guys enjoyed it too. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, it would be great if you could hit the like button and subscribe to the channel so you can see more content like this in the future. As I said, these are going to start going out to regular podcast apps in the next couple of days once every all the syndications sorted and the RSS feed has been picked up by the likes of Google. So you'll be able to check this out in an audio format very soon. All that's left to say, I guess, is goodbye. Thanks for watching and enjoy the rest of your day.